Welcome to the Busy Pastor Podcast. If you're interested in leadership and ministry coaching, go to busypastor.org slash coaching. Join the Busy Pastor community today by going to busypastor.org, filling out the form, and you will receive more free resources, starting with our Fab Five resource, helping you determine the five things only you can do. Episode 32 of the Busy Pastor Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Welcome to all of our new listeners. And uh, for the next several episodes, we're going to be talking, Trent, about small group ministry. And, uh, and so let's get right into it as always. Tell me about your journey into small groups, because I think this is an important uh, discussion piece right from the beginning to sure. hear your heart behind it. Yeah, we, um, I guess it was 1999 is kind of when uh, I first started in ministry. And so I uh, felt that call, wanted to start serving. And so uh, I was asked to lead an eighth grade boys Sunday school class. And so <laughs> were you in college at the time? I had just graduated. Okay. So fresh out of college. And um, yeah, so jumped into that. And of course, it's like 8.30 in the morning. And so I the early service. Yeah. And, and so there was is basically the old sanctuary of our church is where the students met. And so they had all these d- dividers in each and every, you know, area to kind of block off for small groups. So it wasn't really a really good environment. You could kind of hear, you know, what was going on in other rooms. And so here I am with like these 12, 13, 14, eighth grade boys. And they were just half of them were either, you know, it was kind of this this one half was dead to the world asleep, you know, <laughs> and then the other half, they were just kind of wired and crazy. And so it's kind of like herding cats. And so I'm sitting there week after week, I'm, I'm called into ministry. I'm passionate. I'm going to, I'm going to teach these young kids, you know, what, what it means to follow Jesus. And I'm showing up and then I'm like, you know, just herding cats for an hour and it was just you know miserable on one level but then I decided you know well let's hang out outside of you know the Sunday school class and so I would have them over to my house and um, we would go you know meet at places to grab dinner or lunch or whatever and then you know at my house especially the first time we did it like you know we were playing outside we were playing basketball outside then we came in and we ate and then like we got done more hanging out at my house that that night, you know, in those two, three hours than we did in an entire year of that Sunday school time. And, and so, you know, inside, I, I didn't really know what was happening outside the church world at that time. Yeah. You know, but small groups were just really kind of taken off in other parts of the country. But in my mind, I knew I was like, there has to be a better way hmm. you know, to do this. And so I think the first book I really picked up that really opened my mind up to this was Doug Fields' uh, book's Purpose Driven Youth Ministry. Mm. And so that became, at that time, kind of my Bible for youth ministry and what, what um, I was going to do and kind of how I was going to do it. And so really the idea of what small group could be really was birthed in that. And then just kind of going from there, you know, into seminary, studying other churches that were doing small groups well. Um, Jim Putnam, we've mentioned him before, right. uh, you know, was influential in, in how to really structure small groups. And so really it just kind of comes down to what, what the Bible says and, and the model of Jesus. And after years of just kind of doing it, uh, you know, both ways, kind of Sunday school versus in homes, mm-hmm. I'm 100%, you know, after doing this for 20 plus years, like being in a home with people that I'm trying to help grow 
is is really just the best environment. And but then outside of that meeting, spending time with these people in normal, you know, with with your hobbies, going to games, eating, just living life, really the the combination of the two is, is really the model of Jesus and the best way I think that um, the Bible shows us to make disciples. Yeah, so you planted Foothills 12 years ago, and from the beginning, it's been one philosophy of ministry when yeah. it comes to small groups. It has. And yeah. so, so when you began to, to start the small group ministry here at Foothills, you were planting, you were preaching on Sunday, you were leading small groups. Oh, yeah. So, so what did that look like in the early stages of Foothills? Yeah, I mean, it's a grind because, you know, you're making Sunday happen, but then you're also leading a small group. We had ours on Wednesday nights. Um, and then I was also doing, like, these smaller groups of, like, just men in the morning. So yeah. le- leading an early 6.30 a.m., you know, Bible study, leading a different group of people on Wednesday night, making Sunday happen and just grinding it out, you know, trying to, trying to do everything you could to, to develop leaders, develop, you know, people that would then step into leadership roles and, and be able to lead small groups on their own. And so that was the schedule and it was, it was coach. Yeah. Coaching small group leaders. Oh yeah. Before you even like officially called it coaching small group leaders. Yeah. Yeah. Before it was actual, you know, levels and on paper. Yeah. Levels of leadership. Yeah. You're taking other small group leaders out to breakfast and, and, you know, talking about their issues in their small group and how to help correct them and get them better. And so, yeah, you're really kind of doing all of that, you know, in the early stages. Yeah. So tell me about the difference of, of uh, the Sunday school model versus the the small group model. Yeah, well, I think the Sunday school model is more of an educational based, you know, model where uh, someone stands up in front of a group, they sit down, and then they listen to a lecture. And so, I think that model um, has just is just not as effective as sitting in an environment that is, you know, after maybe a meal or at least some coffee, and and you're sitting around on on comfortable couches in somebody's living room where you're actually engaging in conversation, reading the Bible, asking questions. To me, that just it's just more effective. And then just ultimately, that's what Jesus did, right? Um, Jesus was, was with uh, these 12 guys in a relational environment. Like, yes, he had his large group ministry where he was teaching to you know, the masses and doing ministry to the masses, but then he always retreated with those 12 guys to right. debrief, to talk through, ask questions, and, and teach them further. And, and he was always asking them questions, and they were always in this dialogue. And so really, he models that to us. And so I think that's ultimately what drove us to that model. I think the experience that, that I had uh, of just developing small groups and kind of thinking back to those older days just just showed like man this is what this is what's working this is what's effective yeah this is where the fruit is and ultimately it, it it's a a um an environment that leads to growth and and um you know it just depends on your culture and where you're at sunday i'm not saying sunday school can't work right um i'm just saying small groups works for us better yeah it does and and for us small groups being the emphasis on you know relational discipleship as you mentioned Mm -hmm. as opposed to a more education based and and not saying that that there aren't places for that sure in the life of our church 
but the alignment of our ministry under our mission statement really fleshes out mm-hmm. in small group mm-hmm. environments. Yeah, and so um, our mission statement, our vision statement at you know at, at Foothills Church, the mission statement is the Great Commission, mm-hmm. right? The vision statement, how how we accomplish the Great Commission in our context is Foothills Church exists to develop mature disciples of Christ in relational environments, mm-hmm. and so. Let's talk about relational environments. Okay. What is a relational environment? How do we define it in our context? Yeah, well, there's going to be there's going to be various aspects of relational environments. So, you know, you've got Sunday morning experiences where you're trying to make relational. So, right. how do you make Sunday morning relational when, you know, you've got hundreds of people that are just coming and sitting and listening? you know, to, to, to music or listening to Mm -hmm. a sermon. Well, there are a lot of ways, you know, there are ways, you know, where you can include food, you can, you you can include, you know, coffee to start out the day, which congregates people and gathers people before the services and after the services, you know, how you decorate and how the building feels when, when people Mm -hmm. walk in, are there places to sit for them to congregate, for them to kind of gather and, and have conversations do you have a ministry, you know, uh, of first impressions or, you know, this guest services ministry that is, you know, stirring up conversations as people walk in, making people feel welcome and, mm. and truly having that that um, at a high level so that people are engaged. And then, you know, even from the stage, is it is, you know, are the people who are speaking from the stage, whether it's the you know musicians or worship pastors, the, you know, the main teacher, the guys that are that are emceeing the day, giving announcements, are they relational in a sense as well? Or mm-hmm. do they come across as very stoic and rigid and, you know, boring? Or do they come across authentic and real and engaging? That So all of that plays into it. But There's a lot of ingredients there. A lot yeah. of ingredients there. But at the same time, like for us, a relational environment ultimately is fleshed out in a small group. Mm-hmm. And so that's going to be three people to 18 people. Uh, that's a huge marker for us. Once you get to, you know, 18, you start, the, the leader starts to lose touch with everybody. Yeah. Really, Jesus had 12. So after 12, we start to lose touch, I think. And, and even we're not Jesus, so I would start to lose touch even smaller. Um, but at that stage, the leader and the co-leaders start to lose touch with everybody in the group. And so you go over 18 and now all of a sudden you have a small church. Right. And so, you know, you, you've got to keep that small so that people are engaged relationally and you know what's going on in everybody's life. And, and there's that flow of relationship there. And, you know, for us, the, the small group also is intentional about, hey, we're here because we want to grow as a disciple. And so we encourage our people to say this at the beginning of every meeting. Hey, glad everybody's here tonight. We're here because we want to develop as mature followers of Jesus. And so the reason for that is because it's really easy for groups to get off into other things, you know, to to get out of alignment. And all of a sudden Mm -hmm. now it's just about the meal or it's about the kids playing or it's about, you know, talking about sports. And you you do that, you know, one night, two night, three nights. And now all of a sudden, you know, you're derailed as a small group. And so you've got to keep that vision and focus on why you're actually here. And then obviously, you know, you want a group that is led by a more mature disciple. And, you know, you don't have to be Jesus, Moses level disciple, you know, Peter, Paul, but you just need to be one step ahead of the the group that you're, you're leading. And so that's important. 
you know, thinking how you think and, and what, how you're living your life intentionally for disciple making and those kinds of things. That, so you're, you're a step ahead. And then obviously too, you know, you want it to be a place where people are building relationships. And so it's a safe place. And so people can share and be authentic and people aren't going to talk about you outside of that group or share what you've said. So that, that trust factor has to be there. And, and when that trust factor is there, you can, you know, be transparent and you can be real. And so right. that's, that's another big factor of, of, of what a relational environment is. And then last couple is just, this is a place where pastoring happens, mm-hmm. you know, so there's accountability, uh, there's encouragement, there's teaching from this small group leader and the co co-leader and their spouses. So it's, right. you've got four people that are intentionally, you know, leading this group together and um, they're shepherding, pastoring, encouraging, teaching. And this is where, you know, a huge part of our ministry um, is happening. And so they don't have to rely on, you know, staff and this person and that person to answer all their questions and to have all their needs met. No, they're doing that together, which, you know, we really think is, is biblical. And then, you know, finally, it is a regular meeting. So it's not like, hey, whenever we can find the time, let's get together. No, we're happening. We're, this is happening every week at this time, you know, rain or shine. If you show up, if you show up, we are going to gather. And so at the beginning of that, we're saying when we attend this group, we're saying we're going to actually be here. Yeah. So all of those factors are a big part that that really give health and give structure behind uh, groups that we've seen um, flourish. Yeah. And so continuing this this discussion, I think the why behind the relational environments is is important for pastors and those who are thinking about small groups and trying to make their small groups better at their church or or maybe even going from you know as you mentioned earlier the educational model now more towards the relational discipleship model mm-hmm. and so so let's spend the rest of our time in this episode talking about the why of relational environments mm-hmm. and uh, and and we teach this at, at our class that we call base camp I mean this is our base camp is our membership class right mm-hmm. we call we've said it on this podcast a lot we call our members partners mm-hmm. um, so we're we're giving this stuff to our people day one mm-hmm. and uh, and so 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 let's talk about the why behind re- relational environments um, yeah. for a little bit yeah well as we've mentioned uh, first of all Jesus did it this way so yes. he was in relationship first and foremost intentionally with 12, 12 men and so he did it this way but then also God created us to be in relationship right it's not good for man to be alone and so <clears throat> we need relationships yes. in our life we need relationships to grow and so as as a result God you know brings us together in churches and and and, and so we're created this way and we need these relationships really to, to succeed as Christians. Um, Hebrews talks about, Hebrews 3 talks about um, exhorting one another every day, uh, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And so, you know, when we're not encouraged on a regular basis to walk with Jesus, live with Jesus, here's what it looks like, you know, encouraging one another. It's easy for sin to creep into our life, our, our heart to become hard to those sins. And so, 
in order to grow as a Christian, we need this uh, relationship. And, and then we need it because, you know, we can really accomplish more together than we can alone. Right. And so when, when Scripture talks about the church being a body, yeah. um, the body has many parts coming together, working together, you know, combining resources together, talents together, experiences together, so that we can accomplish this yes. mission of making disciples. And so... You know, at the end of the day, I mean, I think the Christian life really hinges on our, uh, uh, you know, willingness to relate to others in relationships. Because when you look at Scripture, it really all boils down to, you know, how are we dealing with other people in our life? Right. All of the fruits of the Spirit, right? Right. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, uh, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Uh, all of these are relational aspects of our faith. And so patience with who? Other people, kindness yeah. towards who? Other people, um, goodness towards who? Other people. So all of these factors are how are we relating to other people? Um, and so if we're going to grow as a disciple, we have to relate to other people in healthy ways, growing ways, like Jesus is calling us to. Uh, I love Micah six eight, uh, which says, "He has showed you, oh man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you?" Great question. And the response is to act justly love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. So we know, act justly towards who? Well, towards others. Love mercy towards who? Others. And then to walk humbly with God. So it's that love God, love others, you know, perspective that Jesus gives to us with the great commandment. And so this is what it really means to grow as a disciple, to be able to love your neighbor as yourself. The new command that Jesus gives to us is to love one another. Yeah. And so everything that we do, you, you really falls back on how we're relating to other people. So, you know, are we forgiving other people? Are we treating people with respect? Are we are we actually being kind towards other people? Are we are we encouraging other people when they are struggling? All of these things are, are relational, you know, issues and, and so you know, when we come to church with this mentality that we come and we sit and then we go home and we live our life, mm-hmm. and the people that we do life with aren't the people who we go to a church with, then right. there, there's something missing there, you know? And so there, there needs to be a little, you know, some cohesion to the yeah. fact that we are living life with these people who we're on mission with, right. and they're, we're helping each other grow relationally and our love for Christ, which then fleshes itself out practically with how we're treating other people around us. Yeah. And I, I think that's, that's so important just to, to recap here, because I do have one final question I, I want to ask you, but as we, as we talk about uh, small group ministry being uh, relational discipleship and doing life together in, you mentioned homes a moment ago. Yeah. Uh, in our context, that's where they're going to happen. When we were in DC, they happened in restaurants and people lived in 300 square feet. You know, you can't yeah. get, you can't even get five people in, into that. And mm-hmm. so, uh, whatever, whatever context you're in, but the purpose is relational discipleship. And when it comes to the demographic of a small group, this is my, my, my question here is how, how, how do we do it and what do mm-hmm. you think is best yeah. when it comes to male or female groups or mixed gender groups or life stage groups? Mm-hmm. Are we trying to get people together all in a demographic? Because I hear this question a lot. Yeah, it's you know, a great like, question. Yeah, all that I'm on board with, but then how? 
Yeah. How, how are you, how are you actually pushing play on these things and making it happen in life for your church? Well, when it comes to students, I think it's important that students, middle school, high schoolers are gender, you know, mm-hmm. guy, girl groups. And then the easiest thing is just the, the, the grade. So that simplifies it. I think most people do that when it comes to adults. Um, I, I think the best way is really just kind of some diversity there. So our groups are going to have single people and married people. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the time, n- human nature is to kind of gather with people in your life stage, and so there's a lot of um, there's there's a lot of good things that come out of that. Uh, we encourage older people though to actually lead those groups. So mm-hmm. if you've got a bunch of 30 year olds with young kids, I think it's important that you have a, a 40 year old or even older like leading that group because they've been there, they've done that, and that's that's like best case scenario in my mind. However, at the same time, we, we encourage our groups um, to very regularly divide mm-hmm. guys and girls, like men and women. And that's important, I think. The men need to get together and talk about serious men issues. Mm-hmm. Women need to get together and talk about serious women issues. And so it's not, I, I don't think that the answer is to just do men's groups or just do women's groups. I think you can have guys and girls together, singles and married, and then separate um, on a regular basis right. to be able to meet those needs and have those uh, deeper conversations that sometimes women aren't going to have, obviously, in front of other men. Yeah, you know, and vice I, versa. I, absolutely. And, you know, just one thing to add to that that I've seen in kind of church research and even at our church as it's grown is that the, the larger the church gets, there seems to be a need for, as the kind of the word you used a moment ago, was a, a diversification of groups. Mm-hmm. And so instead of one single lane of this is how we're doing it, yeah, you're beginning to add more and more and more. And that reminds me in the early stages, you know, we, we didn't really have the option to say, hey, we're going to have this group in this area of our city, in right. that area of our city. Right. But now as we've grown, that, that has been a huge, I think, uh, beneficial thing is that now we can say, okay, this group meets in Knoxville, this group meets in Maryville, right. you know, or even West Knoxville and, you know, West Maryville, you know, to kind of give people less drive time and more more people who are actually in that community together, which has been extremely helpful as well. Yep. So small group ministry, uh, we think is is uh, a an incredible way to uh, intentionally make disciples. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a great conversation to have as we continue to 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 think about small group ministry. In our next episode, we we will continue to to flesh this out, uh, talk about the ingredients of our small groups a little bit more practical Mm -hmm. in in the in the details in the weeds Mm. and uh, but until then let's continue to be busy with the right things thank you for listening to the busy pastor podcast as we close today's episode we want to invite you to do a few things join the busy pastor community today by going to busypastor.org and filling out the form you receive more free resources starting with our fab five resource helping you determine the five things only you can do Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Busy Pastor. If you liked today's episode, subscribe to The Busy Pastor and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. For more resources, join the Busy Pastor community by going to busypastor.org. The Busy Pastor podcast is produced by Andrew Lindstrom, video production Jake Tipton, audio engineer Brian Papik, 
music by Brandon Sharp, and graphics by Zach Shaddix. See you next week. Until then, let's be busy with the right things.